0: have been very, very lucky. I've had opportunities that, you know, when I first heard about them were probably bigger than what I thought I could accomplish. And your first reaction is that fear, right? And entrepreneurial thinkers experience this all the time. Oh my goodness, can I handle this client? Can I handle this investor? Can I handle this project? Can you feel that initial fear? But so then you have to take a step back and say, this is also exciting. And what's my comfort balance?
1: Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with season two of your favorite career readiness podcast. Learn tips on personal and professional development, hear inspiring stories of overcoming obstacles. I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. This is Marcy Bullock with the most important five Ps stay present, trust the process, explore your path release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chat, and I am so excited today to have our special guest, Jennifer Capps. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so glad to have you today. And this conversation is going to be really educational for our listeners because Jennifer works really closely with students that are interested in starting their own business. So to kick things off, Jennifer, do the elevator pitch. Tell us all about you.
0: So as she said, my name is Jennifer Gapps. I'm a three-time Wolfpack alum. Uh, I was just saying Every time I would graduate or move to a new point in my career, I'd think, oh, I'm going to miss campus, and then I'd be right back here. I've been an entrepreneurship educator for almost 20 years now, and I'm an accidental entrepreneurship educator. My career has pivoted back and forth between different um, industries, different jobs, different opportunities. It has all been so much fun. Um, And I absolutely love where I'm at right now. Working with students is just very inspirational to me and keeps me going.
1: And I know you teach some classes here on campus because you and I trade back and forth with scratching each other's back and, and I get to come to your class. So tell our students about the classes that you teach and why they should take them.
0: Absolutely. So I'm part of what is known as NC State Entrepreneurship. And our courses are general education courses designed to introduce students to the concept of entrepreneurial thinking. Uh, We find that when students are entering the world of entrepreneurship, sometimes they're not quite sure what to expect. Some students have heard about the term entrepreneurship, but they're not really sure what it means or what it could mean to them. And so we have introductory courses to help answer some of those questions. Um, and I'll give you a little overview of some of those things today, but we'd love to see any of you in classes. EI 201 is the one that you're looking for.
1: I know. You have to take her class, let me just say. This woman's amazing, and all the students who take her class, it's like their favorite class. She's full of energy and has so much great insight to share. So with the um, 201 class that you, you said, EI201?
0: Yep. And when you're looking for it in NC State systems, sometimes it looks like L201 because the I doesn't have the top and the bottom on it. So just be aware of that when you're you're searching.
1: Oh, good to know. So what is the biggest learning outcome you think students walk away with after completing your course?
0: You know, I'm happy if every student can walk away there from the course with enough information to make an educated choice. As to whether entrepreneurial thinking is something that makes sense for them somewhere in their future career path, right? It's an introductory course. You're not going to have all the the secrets. There really are no secrets to how to start, you know, the next Google or the next next Apple. It's just deciding what's best for you at a given time and what's going to make the most sense.
1: Oh, I love that because everyone has an idea, right, about something that they could make better. Oh, I wonder if I could monetize this. You know, maybe I could be my own boss. I don't want to report to the man. And when we get into that, to start a business, what, what are some of the key tips you give to your students when they have a great idea? So,
0: well, for starters, a lot of students come and say, hey, what do you think of this idea? And I can share advice and opinions all day long. But if I'm not part of the target market, I don't really have an informed opinion, right? So I would suggest students should start with a little bit of research to see if their idea is something they want to pursue. Like, do people want what it is that you have to offer? Are you actually solving a problem that people have? Um, And also, are people going to be willing to pay you for it? And are they going to be willing to pay you enough that it can sustain long term? So these are some of the things that we talk about in terms of research to make educated choices uh, before you move forward. We'll also talk a lot about, um, and I recommend everyone, find a way to test your ideas and your concepts small scale without investing a lot of money up front just to see what do people respond to. And what pivots and adjustments do you need to make before you put a lot of money into it? Well, I also recommend think about what skills, what skill sets that are going to help you run that organization? What skill sets do you not have but are going to be necessary in growing the organization? And then how build out a team around you to balance out your strengths and weaknesses so that the team is stronger as a whole than any one individual is on that team. Um, and then once you're confident that this is a worthy risk to take, by all means, move forward. At some point, you just have to do it and try and accept that it may work out awesomely and it may not. Um, and that's just part of the process.
1: That's a great way to to think about it, Jennifer. And I want to dig a little bit into something you said about finding the right problem? Because I think a lot of people go at it from the mindset of, well, what problem do I solve? But the future of work, I mean, all the solutions are out there. All the data is out there. Everyone can access this data. But how do you actually find the problem? Do you have any cool success stories of alumni that you've worked with that have found really interesting problems to solve and their outcomes? I'd love to hear some stories. Sure. So yeah, there's so many. Like I could talk to you all day
0: about this. You you asked, how do people find those pain points, right? Because we all have access to the same information. You just have to talk to people and you have to keep your eyes open. And I think you have to change the lens with which you view the world around you, right? Instead of looking at the world as a consumer. So what has everybody else done that I could use You have to start looking at the world in terms of what are other people or companies or industries, what are they struggling with that I might be able to do something about. And then I think figuring out how to do something about it takes being like a renaissance person. You need to know a little bit about a lot of different things because you never know where your inspiration is going to come from. So getting out of your world, right? In college, it's really easy to get wrapped up in what it is that we are studying. But expanding beyond that and learning cool things from other industries and other disciplines, that's where a lot of the best ideas come from. Um, so success stories. I'll share a couple with you. Some of you might have heard about a company called Be Downtown. It was started by a woman named Lee Catherine Bonner. She has a history of beekeeping in her family, and she was quite concerned with the decline in the honeybee population around the world. So she started investigating different ways to address this problem. And she came up with a lot of ideas and she would test them out, and some worked better than others. She went back and forth thinking about do I do this as a nonprofit? Do I do this as a for-profit? And one of the things that she ended up doing, she wanted to build viewable honeybee hives on corporate campuses to act as a marketing tool for the company. It would encourage people to come by and see what was going on. And at the same time, it would teach the world about why honeybees are so important. Uh, So she was having a hard time getting companies and investors to really connect with the idea that she was trying to create. So she came into the entrepreneur's garage. She found some people to help her build. A mobile honeybee hive. And I kid you not, this was, if you can imagine, a plexiglass box that was, you know, about that wide, about that tall, wood edges, filled with honeybees, actively building honeycomb and honey. And she would bring this box in and set it on somebody's desk and say, I want to do this, but I want to do it larger scale for you. Let's talk. It was the coolest thing. Well, fast forward to now, she's traveling around the world, working with clients, consulting with cities about how they can be more honeybee friendly. She's started a corporate training program where she brings groups from different corporations in and uses how honeybees are miraculous creatures. They're so cool. And she uses how they work together to teach people how to have better teams, how to have better communication. And I mean, who knows where her business will take her in the next few years, because it's growing and adapting all the time. And I just love her
1: story. That's a really great story, Jennifer. And just, I I was actually got a chance to learn from one of the people that works there, Ben Dictus. He came to speak to a group of my students about leadership and using the honeybee as that whole metaphor no one ever thought of that before. Oh, man, that is so great. Everybody has to check that out if they haven't be downtown. I think they're at a lot of the big companies like SAS has them on their roof. Absolutely. Um,
0: and actually, if you go over to Centennial Campus right down from the library on Centennial, there's a whole honeybee area with different sponsorships for companies
1: throughout Centennial. It's really cool. So you mentioned that she came to the garage. Tell us what that is and what resources exist on campus for students that are just starting to come up with these thoughts.
0: So NC State Entrepreneurship offers, we try to offer as many diverse opportunities for students based on on the knowledge that students are coming in at all different stages of the entrepreneurial process, right? Some are saying, hey, I'm kind of interested in this, but I'm not sure what I want to do yet. Others are actually up and running businesses, revenue generating, and they need a place while they're on campus to host a a client pitch or an investor meeting. So one of the ways that we have addressed some of these challenges is to create a space called The Garage. And it's a workspace, it's a partnership with, um, it used to be called HQ Raleigh, it is now, Raleigh Founded is their new name. They have a location on Centennial Campus, so we've partnered with them. Students can come into the garage. They can access equipment such such as uh, laser cutters, 3D printers. We have a sewing station, um, all kinds of cool stuff. If you don't know how to use any of the equipment, we have training programs to help you. Uh, Students can also come into the space and just have a workspace where they're surrounded by other entrepreneurial thinkers. One of the big things we wanted to create was a a space where students could network. Um, build out their own skill sets and partner with other people who had different skill sets. So it ends up that students start teaching other students, which is a really cool environment to be in. Uh, the members of Raleigh Founded, who are all local entrepreneurs, are working in the same space. So now community members and students are interacting. This is a really inspirational place to be. It's easy to get involved. It is free for every NC State student. You just have to apply. Tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish. You go through some safety training. And then you have, um, well, typically you would have 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week access. uh, COVID and the situation that we're in right now has kind of pulled back on those hours some, but we are anxiously awaiting a time where we can be full-scale again. Uh, Some of the other resources on campus, we have an Albright Village. We have workshops. We have an mentor Series. Um, throughout campus, you'll find majors with entrepreneurship focus, minors with entrepreneurship focus, an undergraduate certificate in interdisciplinary entrepreneurship, um, lots of different ways to get involved with the community.
1: I did not realize there were that many things that students could even get a certificate. That's great. And not and really with this class. We're all about professional development and transition to the workforce. And you said something about integrating different ideas, you know, collaborative thinking and the idea that you, you don't want to like Cassie's here today. She's mechanical engineering. She doesn't want to just be mechanical engineering. She wants to pull in humanities and team building and all of these other success skills. And it sounds like this garage is such a great resource. Resource. So, thank you for sharing that and all the other things they can do, not just to look good to employers, but to learn and to grow as students and challenge themselves and figure out if that's a direction they want to go into. So, you talked a little bit about this idea of getting funding, and I know that's a challenging thing. Is there anything about um, a tip that you might have regarding trying to get venture capitalists to get excited about your idea?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, people deal with funding in a lot of different ways. So I would actually start by saying each entrepreneurial thinker needs to decide what funding model they're most comfortable with, right? So that's step one. Um, a lot of times they'll decide that they want to fund from revenues and not take external funding, which is it's a choice every entrepreneurial thinker has to make for themselves. But as they are going to go out and try to get funding. You've got to be very clear about what they're doing and why they're doing it. It can't just be about, hey, I have this cool idea. Give me a lot of money so I can test it out. <laughs> You've got to get out there and prove that people will actually want this, that people will pay this, and that if they invest in you, they're investing in someone who has a plan. But who is also willing and able to quickly adapt that plan because that plan is probably not going to be the one that they end up, you know, landing on for the long term. So you want to be able to show you have this adaptability balance with you've done your research about the concept that you're pitching to them. And that's a delicate balance. Uh, something else do not make things up. Do not lie to them. Do not elaborate. Be honest. They want, to, they want to know that you know where your weaknesses are and where your gaps lie. It's when you go in and you start saying there's no competitors. Well, that's scary for investors because if nobody else is in this space, why is nobody else in this space? Um, if you have absolutely no gaps to fill To an investor, that kind of sounds like you haven't done enough in-depth research because there will always be gaps that entrepreneurial thinkers are trying to fill in or improve on for their business. It's about continuous continuous improvement and continuous adaptation.
1: That's really helpful. And, you know, when you were talking about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, this ties in so well because all of our class has completed the Gallup Strengths. So they know their top five and they know that there's a one in 33 million chance someone would have the same top five in the same order. Have you taken that assessment, Jennifer? I have. And I love that test. Yeah, it's really great to give them this new language and also, like you said, to understand who to surround yourself by because there are going to be some aspects that maybe don't come naturally for you. So how about this idea of risk? So you mentioned um that, you know, you want to take the risk. Will you look back on your life and regret that you did or didn't take it? And what about the fear of failure? Help us with this.
0: So, yeah. Fear of failure, I think, is the best advice I can think of to give is just learn how you deal with it, because it's probably not ever going to go away. have to find a way to work through it, around it, whatever makes the most sense for you. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity earlier this year to participate in the NC State TEDx series, um, and one of the things that they had asked me to talk about was failure, and so I put a lot of time and thought into this. Um, what I think I have learned about myself that may apply to everybody else is that we should figure out what our own best balance of fear and excitement is anytime we're looking at opportunities. You know, I've been very, very lucky. I've had opportunities that You know, when I first heard about them, were probably bigger than what I thought I could accomplish. And your first reaction is that fear, right? And entrepreneurial thinkers experience this all the time. Oh my goodness, can I handle this client? Can I handle this investor? Can I handle this project? Can you feel that initial fear? So then you have to take a step back and say, this is also exciting. And what's my comfort balance? For me, it's about 50%. Like when I take on a new opportunity, if I'm 50% excited and 50% scared, that's a pretty cool balance for me, but that doesn't work for everyone else. Um, An example, I had two opportunities over the past year and a half that have absolutely scared me to death. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. One, I was contacted by a woman faculty member at a university in Saudi Arabia. And she said, "Hey, the, our government is wanting to help expand entrepreneurship education throughout the country, and we're looking for a partner program to help us do this. Would you be interested in putting a proposal together?" That's a huge offer, like that's a huge request. And in my mind, I thought, "Well, you know, they're they're getting proposals from everywhere. This is probably never going to happen." But it right, sounds cool. Why not? Let's let's see what happens. So we put a proposal together. It was a lot of fun to do, and. All of a sudden, a few weeks later, I'm getting an email like, hey, guess what? We've been selected. When can you be in Saudi Arabia? And I was like, oh, holy cow. I was beyond terrified to be taking on a project of that scale and scope and importance. But we got to go, we got to do it. We worked with these amazing faculty, and it was so much fun. Had I reacted only to the fear part of that, I would have never said yes to submitting the proposal. I would have never said yes to going. And I would have missed out on that amazing opportunity. There's a book, and I don't know if any of you have read it. I highly recommend it. It's a very, very easy read. It's called Who Moved My Cheese by a gentleman named Spencer Johnson. And one of the questions that he asked in that book is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And it's such a simple question, but it is such a powerful question. So if you hear yourself saying no to an opportunity and the only reason you're saying no is fear, you probably want to give it a little bit more thought. You still might come to the conclusion that you don't want to do it, but fear should not be the only thing that is driving your decision-making process. Um, And that, that, to me, is true about life as well as anything entrepreneurial.
1: Oh, for sure, the idea that don't let it hold you back. Face the fear. If now, if not now, when? And so I'm so proud of you for going for that opportunity in Saudi Arabia. I want to hear more about that one day. Well, for students that are going right into the job market right now, during this pandemic, and they want to get some experience, learn about the work world, just have that first transition to their professional identity. What tips do you have for them right now to just get their feet wet and test the waters out in the labor market?
0: That's a great question. I'm going to answer maybe from two different directions. The students who are interested in entrepreneurial thinking, some Want to be entrepreneurial thinkers in a corporate or a more established environment, and some obviously want to join the entrepreneurial community. So, I think for everyone, um, I think just expect the rules to be a little bit different, right? Some things that are okay in a college environment don't translate as well into the workforce. So, all of a sudden, Nobody is giving you the syllabus that outlines all of the deadlines. Nobody is giving you the rubric that says check all of these boxes to get your next raise or your next promotion like we do when we're looking at assignments. Um, nobody is reminding you that things are due. Like it is all on you. Deadlines matter. Showing up on time matters. Showing up focused and ready to work matters. Um, and it matters in college, but I think sometimes we get used to having a lot more flexibility than we do when we hit the work. I always tell people, never, ever, ever miss an opportunity to shine. It can be the smallest assignment or the biggest assignment. Do it and do it really, really well. Because it doesn't seem like those little things will get noticed. and I- I promise you they absolutely will get noticed. I think for students where that path is more entrepreneurial, some of the struggles that we see them work with is they're very quickly having to adapt to leading and managing other people. And sometimes they're leading and managing other people who are you know, 10, 20 years older than they are. And that can be really difficult and really surprising. Um, Being taken seriously by people who've been in an industry for 20 years when you're just coming out of school, you have to earn that respect um, from people. So always thinking about ways that you can do that is very, very helpful. Uh, I think dealing with, you know, a lot of people when they get into the workforce um, in any type of capacity, when they run into challenging situations, it can be scary. Challenging situations to me are one of the best times though to prove to everybody just how capable you actually are. Being able to handle those challenges with grace and with calmness and to offer people opportunities and to help keep an idea moving forward in the face of adversity, man, that's that's gonna stick out and people are gonna remember that, whether it's a client or a boss, a coworker, any.
1: And what you said about leading different generations, I wanted to also let our listeners know that in episode 41, we interview Raven Solomon, who is a graduate of the Poole College of Management and has written a book called Leading Your Parents. So you absolutely want to check that episode out. And this notion of doing so well on a simple task, I, I have to reinforce. For example, Grant is my TA, and I've given him a few things to do that weren't rocket science. It's like, send 60 emails out. But he made sure that every email was correct and accurate and on time. And you might think, well, a monkey could do this. But this is kind of what students have to do is pay their dues and prove that they are going to shine. At You used a great word on that. So with all of the entrepreneurship things we've talked about so far, Jennifer, are they available to alumni? What if a, a graduate gets a great idea five years later?
0: That's a great question. And quite frankly, it was one of our weaknesses for a while, but it's a weakness that we've been working hard to address. So we had, we do have programs for alumni. We have an Andrews Accelerator program. We have a Miller Fellows program. We have an alumni network that's part of the NC State Alumni Association. Uh, alumni, we would love for you to stay involved and attend our events and come back and join us and network. Alumni can get involved in our mentorship program. So we definitely we want the NC State entrepreneurship pipeline to expand all the way down to the K through 12 education as a recruitment tool. We want to support you while you are here, and we want to support you after graduation for the rest of your career.
1: So that certificate you mentioned, Jennifer, can someone do that as an alum? Just enroll in the certificate if they're you know 10 years out of school, but they want to sharpen their saw.
0: That is a great question, and we have not grown to that stage yet. The certificate that we offer right now is available to all undergraduate degree-seeking students. It will layer on to any of the majors that you're taking, um, and we allow you to study a lot of different areas of entrepreneurship. So if you have any questions, you can find out more information at our website, or you can reach out to me directly at Jennifer underscore Cap at ncsu.edu, and I'm happy to help you figure it out.
1: That's great. We'll link all that up in our show notes, Jennifer. Well, this time has flown and we're already at our last question, which is um, we're getting in a time machine and we are now going into the year 2040. I love this question because COVID is behind us. We're all vaccinated. We're all gathering again and hugging. So Jennifer, what advice would the Jennifer Caps of 2040 give to you today in 2020?
0: Yeah, I love this question. I think it causes you to be very, very self-reflective. I think I would tell myself it's all worth it. Like every sacrifice, every sleepless night, it is absolutely worth it for myself and for the impact that I'm having. Watching students grow and knowing that I've had the privilege to be just a teeny, tiny piece of those stories is so powerful. And every year I get to do things that surprise and shock me. So there's that personal growth element as well. Uh, I would also tell myself, make sure to remember and make sure your family knows how much you love them because it's so easy to get caught up in everything else that's going on. Um, and I never, I, I never want to lose sight of that.
1: I love that. My heart is so big. We're kindred spirits when it comes to helping students and loving our family. Thank you, Jennifer Capps. Thank you for having me today.